on the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor for the newspaper here in Lubbock, Texas, bringing you back the Red Raider Podcast, which has been on hiatus due to other things, but glad to have it back as men's basketball is roaring and playing very well getting a huge win over Oklahoma ranked number nine at the time 57-52 on Monday big Monday second big Monday game that Texas Tech has had so far this season and to break it all down I've got a good buddy Ryan Mainville of the Daily Torridor covers the Texas Tech men's basketball team just as I do. But uh, Ryan, I guess just uh, first off, I appreciate you taking the time out. I guess if you could just kind of give us a little bit of a bio. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Carlos. Uh, I'm with the Daily Torridor, which is the student-run newspaper on Texas Tech's campus. There I'm the editorial assistant, which means I essentially do a little bit of everything. But like you said, uh, my main job is covering the Texas Tech basketball team. I have a lot of fun doing that. And it's always some good stuff to cover, and we've got a lot of that to talk about today. No, absolutely. And then, as uh, Chris Beard said, don't pop him in the newspaper. I did not actually wrote some nice <laughs> things about him and Mac McClung over the last couple couple days. So, obviously, we'll talk about Mac McClung. There are some other things that we can talk about as well, including the win over Oklahoma. We'll break that down. Preview the road game in Manhattan, Kansas, the Little Apple at Bramwich Coliseum as they take on Kansas State at 3 p.m. Saturday. Interesting game. We'll talk about that as well. And then, of course, as we always do, I uh, solicited, I solicited, part of me, Twitter for some questions. We got a couple good ones. So we'll start it off with uh, Oklahoma. I guess in terms of what you were able to watch, Ryan, was there anything that surprised you about this game? Was there anything that maybe didn't surprise you? Or I guess what, what, what were your initial takeaways either before the game or after the game? Yeah, well, even with OU being shorthanded in this one, obviously missing Austin Reeves, their leading scorer. Yep. Um, I expected a lot of offense in this game, and mm-hmm. that's not what we got. It was a very ugly game, um, but like Chris Beard said, beautiful in other ways. And I think it was a lot of defense. Both teams shot 33% from the floor. Obviously not exactly how you planned for it to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Mac McClung 0 for 7 from the field. But, I mean, a big win for Tech to stop an Oklahoma team that had won three straight over top 10 teams. They were red hot, even being down Reeves. Um, and Alondis Williams, of course. Um, but it was a good win for Tech. Very defensive heavy, uh, but a good win. Absolutely, and it's funny you mention that because I just remember that last game watching that. Is Texas Tech, uh, I want to say they shot about 50%. I want to say Oklahoma shot about 40%, maybe 41%. But in that contest, Austin Reeves had 13 points. So, again, I'm, I, I know a lot of people on Twitter were telling me, well, Fran Fraschilla is talking about Austin Reeves being out. Well, no kidding. He was their leading scorer. It's kind of a big deal. And I think that certainly helped Texas Tech from a defensive perspective because I'm sure as people are watching, they weren't stretched as th- they were not, pardon me, stretched as thin because you're not having to account for Austin Reeves along the perimeter. Yes, you had uh, da- uh, Davion Harmon, pardon me. And then, of course, you had uh, Brady Manick who got a couple. And then Umoja Gibson had one where it seemed like he traveled, then he banked one from the top of the key. They had their three-point shots as everyone kind of expected they would, but I think that the one thing to take away, at least from my perspective, is slowly but surely, I know Chris Beard likes to use this term, but they are improving. They're getting better each game. I want to say, and I think he even maybe said it a little bit, but they may have played the best defense they have all year so far. 
Yeah, it was a good game. And I mean, probably their main weakness that we've seen on the defensive end so far this season has been defending the perimeter. And even yep. with Reeves out, you hold a good Oklahoma team to 27% on three. That's pretty good. I mean, Davion Harmon was 0 for 6. He's looked like a really, really good player the past couple of games for them. Um, like you said, Gibson, he was three for six. He made half of their three pointers, which is just ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, if you can walk out of 50 point games with a win, I think it says a lot about just where this Texas Tech defense is. Um, obviously, they've had a couple of games like that now this season against Abilene Christian and Baylor. Um, but I mean, you shoot 22 free throws in a game, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Absolutely. And I know you go a little bit analytical with some of the stuff that you post on Twitter, but the, the one thing for me, just to kind of remind fans, is the thing that you will always see with Texas Tech, unless you've got some really long athletic guys, you're going to see a lot of threes taken against this defense because for every time you watch a team play against Texas Tech, at least a elite team that knows how to expose the side defense that Mark Adams uses, they're going to drive and kick. And that's what you saw a lot with Oklahoma. They were driving because they know that there's going to be that extra help defender that's going to try and take the charge. So you know there's going to be someone open. And they were able to find those guys a couple times, but they missed those shots. And I think that's the one important thing to kind of keep in mind. Again, I'll go back to this point that Fran Fraschilla kept making. But when you got a guy like Brady Manick, your leading scorer, he's a guy that he makes a three, everything calms down. But the thing that I guess really kind of stuck with me was that both teams were just battling. The referees allowed both teams to play. Were there calls that may have been kind of suspect on both sides? Yes, but for the most part, I thought it was at least called both ways correctly in terms of if there was a foul on one end, it was kind of not called the on the other end, so to speak. Um, but I, I certainly think the Texas Tech perimeter defense, to your point, was certainly uh, very solid, uh, to quote Chris Beard. But I think the one thing to also take away is the fact that Mac McClung only had six points, and they were all from the free throw line, and you still found a way to win this game because, again – you had another guy in Terrence Shannon that played like Terrence Shannon could, scored all 15 of his points in the second half. And I think that's one thing that I want to point out here is that you're able to get your leading scorer, Mac McClung, who I was watching it for a little bit. I know it was mentioned on the broadcast a little bit, but he was getting beat up every time he was trying to look for a screen, anytime he was just trying to run free. They were making him work for his shots. And I think the fact that despite his frustration – had a couple of turnovers early in the game where I believe it cost uh, Texas Tech about four to six points, which, again, at that point, it goes back to what Chris Beard says. If we can keep the turnovers down, that obviously uh, doesn't hurt uh, the, the the scoring. And then, of course, obviously, it doesn't give the opportunity to the opponent to score as well. So I think that was one thing to kind of keep in mind. But the fact that he was able to make those six, six free throws down the stretch uh, extended the lead a little bit for Texas Tech. I thought those were huge. Uh, from your perspective, Ryan, I guess in that second half, what really stood out to you? Yeah, it's funny that point about McClung. I'm not sure how many people tuned in to watch the Scott Van Pelt feature after the show, but yes. Chris Beard was on there and he mentioned that, you know, there was a point towards down the end of the game where he went up to McClung during a timeout and he was like, hey, man, when are you, when you going to get a bucket for me? And McClung was yep. like, when are you going to get me a free throw? And that's yep. kind of what happened is we saw McClung attack, get to the rim, and he got those calls. And those were big free throws. And Tech made a lot of those down the stretch. Um, obviously, you know, you shoot 82% from the free throw line. I know that was kind of a struggle yep. uh, at the beginning of the season and something that people were really worried about. But, I mean, you make 18 to 22, you're in good shape, like I said. Um, but yeah, again, just touching on Shannon, I mean, he was big in this game, even with just one three-pointer made, he's showing this season, especially that he can 
score at will, um, especially around the basket. He's finishing almost every single shot he takes, and then he's drawing a lot of fouls and making his free throws. So that's going to be big for Tech's offensive production going forward. Last thing I'll say from me before we kind of get your final thoughts from this game, obviously a big one for Texas Tech. They're second over a top 10 opponent so far this season. Certainly as part of a stretch that's going to be really brutal uh, following Kansas State, obviously. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Wildcats going into this one. But uh, the other thing you can take away is that other guys are really trying to step in now. And they're finally figuring out either one their roles or they're trying to feel more comfortable. I feel like Kyler Edwards, yes, he's not scoring like you would like. Obviously, you'd like him in the 8-10 to 10 range made five points, had a big three. Kevin McCullough was part of a back-to-back -back threes with Terrence Shannon late in the game that extended their lead to 10, which was certainly huge because then you see Oklahoma State go on a 7-0 run. They needed all 10 of those points. And then uh, I think it's a little bit lost uh, on some people, but Clarence and the Dolman gave you a spark when we both kind of talked about it. Defenses were making offense tough to score, and Clarence and the Drains a three from the right wing. I'm sure that was not on the scatter report for the Sooners. Then all of a sudden he drives, which is something he does very well. He's very aggressive, gets to the ball. Typically he gets blocked in those situations, but did a very good job of guarding the ball, was able to get it with his left hand and scored five big points for Texas Tech just to kind of get them at least a little bit going or see the ball in the basket. And I thought that was huge. Uh, just last thoughts from you, Ryan, in terms of uh, the big win for Texas Tech uh, before they uh, take on Kansas State this weekend. Yeah, I like that point about Nadolny. I mean, a guy who's always had a really high motor. Uh, we saw that a lot his freshman year. It kind of got him into turnover trouble and foul trouble sometimes. But I mean, this year, he's using it to his advantage. And at times, he looks like one of the best defenders on this Texas Tech team just because he tries so hard. And I mean, he had seven points in this one. He had those two really quick assists whenever he yep. checked in at West Virginia. And I mean, another... Like, you want to talk about energy guys. You know, you had Tyreek Smith come into the game and get eight rebounds in two blocks in 13 minutes. So, I mean, these are all guys that are hustling, and that's what it took to get a big win against Oklahoma. Well, certainly a big win over Oklahoma, but the, the, the big question will be, can Chris Beard keep his guys focused? Because you're taking on a team in Kansas State where, for lack of a better term, I know it's going to probably be asked. I'm sure Chris Beard will say the same thing, but you're looking at a Kansas State team that has lost its last nine. Yes, they can get up for Texas Tech because it's a ranked team that's going to be their big national championship game, if you will. They're 5-14 and 14 overall, 1-9 in conference. What better way to really feel like your season is turning in terms of uh, Bruce Weber with his young squad than getting a big win over a top 25 ranked team at home? So certainly, at least they're going to be comfortable in that sense. But uh, just from what I saw against Kansas, they battled, and then all of a sudden they just went really cold from, from uh, the – from the field, pardon me, before they lost 74-51 to 51 in the annual Sunflower Showdown. I guess, what have you seen a little bit from Kansas State so far this season, Ryan? And I guess, what are you expecting when Texas Tech does travel to the, to the, to the Little Apple? Yeah, well, Kansas State, they started off this season, and they genuinely looked like one of the worst Power 5 teams in the nation. They had lost yep. to some D3 teams, um, yep, non-Power Conference teams. Um, they just looked bad. And then they seemed to have hit a little bit of a rhythm. And that kind of showed when they played Tech in Lubbock. Uh, they kept it pretty close. They even had a lead. I think it was about 10 minutes into the first half. They had like a seven-point lead. Um, but Tech ended up winning that game 82-71. to 71. But like you said, they're on a brutal stretch right now. Their only Big 12 win has come against Iowa State, who's dead last in the conference. 
Their offense is only scoring 62.4 points per game. That's 333rd in the nation. So a bottom 10 offense, they don't really shoot the ball very well. Um, obviously a top-heavy roster with McGurl and uh, Nigel Pack. But, I mean, outside of that, they've just really got some struggles. They're young, and I don't think this season is probably going how they'd like it to. Absolutely. But the thing is, is once you get that experience, probably for next year, I'm sure they're going to be a force to handle. But Mm -hmm. here's the other point I would bring up, too, is the fact that Iowa State battled and almost got a win against uh, West Virginia, who's going to be the team that plays after uh, or the team that Texas Tech would play after. Obviously, we're not looking forward to it. That would be an 8 p.m. game on Tuesday. But again, it's it's a team in Kansas State where I guarantee you Chris Beard will say his team is focused on it. I think the one thing that you can take away from the last hand from the last time they played, as you alluded to, they were able to take a lead. Um, it's the first time you're playing them. I want to say maybe for the for lack of a better term, they're still trying to figure out roles at that point where Texas mm-hmm. Tech's trying to figure out, okay, do we want to get it to Marcus Santos Silva to get some paint touches? I, I believe he scored about 14 points in that game. Mac McClung, I think that was the start of when he was like, okay, I can kind of take over the <laughs> offense at 16 points. And then Terrence Shannon, Got to the free throw line a lot because he got aggressive in that contest, 22 points, but 11 from the free throw line. So one thing I can at least feel like Texas Tech has right now is the experience. They're on a roll. They got a big win. I think if they can stay aggressive on the offensive end, I think there's going to be no doubt that their defense is going to be on point. Because if there's one thing that you can take away from Texas Tech, they're going to play defense. They may not play the best on offense early on, but the thing is, is and Chris Beard has said this on multiple occasions, defense has kept them in the game. And I think that's one thing that, that you can kind of at least take away is if their defense plays as well as it did against Oklahoma, all they have to do is score about 20 to 30 points in that first half. And you can see a, a at least a blowout from what I would uh, foresee in terms of what they could do. But again, you never know with uh, Bruce Weber and his, and his defenses, they, they may do something. And then of course, now with COVID, you never know what could happen, especially with uh, players in and out. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, there's no nights off in the Big 12, even with a team that is towards the bottom. I mean, you have Pack who's shooting 39.5% from three. He just kind of feels like a guy who can go off any night. Um, so you got to make sure that that perimeter defense is staying strong, even though Kansas State has been pretty bad uh, from the three-point line to this point, only shooting 29.5%. But like you said, no nights off. But, I mean, if all goes well, you get a good win that builds some confidence before you enter just a brutal stretch of your schedule in terms of both competition and just sheer volume. Absolutely. But the one thing that Chris Beard always talks about that's life in the Big 12, and it's kind of like what happened with Oklahoma when they lost to Texas tech at home, everyone thought, well, this is a fringe bubble team. They may not even make it to the tournament. Then all of a sudden you get those five big, five big wins. I believe it was three of them that were against ranked teams. And then all of a sudden now, well, they're a lock in the tournament. Heck they were even above Texas tech in some projections. I, if I'm not mistaken in terms of the NCAA tournament. So again, you can obviously be as Chris Beard likes to say the old feather duster one day. And then of course uh, the peacock the other day or, or peacock one day, feather duster the other which means obviously he could be great. And then all of a sudden a win or a loss changes things. And then obviously everyone's kind of looking for you, but certainly some good things to happen. Texas tech getting ready for that game, 3 PM Saturday. Uh, we'll see what they can do when they do take on Kansas state. Again, a team that's struggling. 
uh, on ESPN Plus for everyone that asked. That is an online streaming service. It is not on TV packages. Yes, Ryan, I do get those calls asking what channel <laughs> that game is on. So for anyone that listens, hopefully that helps you a little bit. That's why I put an online streaming service in the paper and all those other things. But uh, any other last thoughts before we switch to Twitter, man? We had a couple questions, which I appreciate. I know, obviously, with this starting up again, uh, people realize, okay, we can start asking questions. I try to do the – I try to – put that Twitter prompt about two to three hours before we record. So we did get a couple good ones though. Yeah. I don't think I have anything left on the wildcats. I think I'm ready to just dig into those questions. Sweet. Well, we got a couple minutes. So first one is from Joe Carranza. Again, appreciate y'all providing your comments and questions. Shannon's NBA draft prospect mid-year assessment, given he was projected to be a potential second rounder in the preseason. I'll start a little bit. Obviously you kind of have your stats and stuff. Cause I, I know you've provided some of them on Twitter, but the one thing that at least for me was the thing that people were wondering, can he make his three point shots, which he, sh- he certainly showed in the previous game against Oklahoma in the previous two game stretch against Oklahoma and Kansas, he was really good as well. So I think that's something that has really upped his, Uh, draft potential because the one thing that draft scouts that I've spoken to or just uh, recruiting analysts or just recruiting guys that have kind of watched uh, guys on the AU circuit and all that have said that was good about Taron Shannon is his length, his quickness, and his on-ball defending. He had all those intangibles. He could rebound it as he's shown before. He can steal the ball. He can create deflections. He can start you in transition. But the one thing that was lacking was his consistent jump shot and I think that's something that he's slowly improving on and once he does that yes I think he can move from the second to the first round yeah I mean the thing that sticks out about Shannon when you're watching him is obviously the defense I mean last year it was a lot of shooting the passing lanes making good reads off ball but this year I mean his on-ball defense just looks terrific and it's NBA ready Um, but like you said that jump shot that's the number one commodity in the NBA today is being able to make shots And last season, it was just brutal the way that he was treated on the perimeter. I mean, he was not defended. I mean, when you were in the USA, you could hear the fans just pleading with him to take shots. And I mean, this year, he's knocking them down. I mean, he's at 32.7%, not a lot of volume, only about three attempts per game, but it looks good. It looks better. There was a post-game press conference a couple of games ago where he had mentioned that uh, this summer he had kind of tried to work on his form a little bit and that he's just continuing to get more comfortable with it uh, as he gets more reps and so I, I buy the jump shot going long term and I definitely think that it would not be a surprise if we see him go even as early as in the lottery especially depending on how that jumper develops down the stretch yeah and then of course it all depends on all the players that are ahead of him I know everyone always talks about Kate Cunningham and his potential to be the number one pick and the yep. whole reason that he could be the number one pick is just because everyone is comparing him to Luka Doncic in terms of what he can do on the offensive end. He, he can create shots. He can pass the ball like no one else. His basketball IQ, his vision. It's just small little intangibles and Terrence Shannon has those intangibles where he can create game-winning plays. You've seen it where he got the, the uh, putback to put Texas Tech ahead against LSU you saw the the potential where he could uh, steal a pass in the last second, uh, things like that. And I think those are the things that some of these NBA scouts look at. And they're like, okay, if we can develop these things, and again, it goes back to that word develop, which is what Chris Beard and his staff are really good at. I think that's one thing that you can look at in terms of what can get him from the second to the first round. And I agree with all your points. Speaking of another guard that I brought up, Clarence Nadolny, apparently his name is being brought up, Emery Lida, I believe is how it's pronounced. I apologize if I mispronounce names. That's what I do, so I apologize. Uh, 
Clarence Ndoli has played at least 15 minutes in two of the last three games, which he has not done in any game before last week. How has he improved over the course of the season? And do you guys anticipate seeing him, uh, I'm guessing, getting even more minutes going forward? I can answer that pretty quick. When Avery Benson gets hurt, again, Chris Beard talks about opportunity by injury or by guys leaving, obviously with Namari Burnett gone, Joel and Tomboy gone, and then you lose Avery Benson. Those are a couple guards that obviously are going to allot some of their minutes away. And uh, Clarence Nadolny, who's been a guy, yes, he hasn't seen much playing time. Again, that just goes back to what I've been talking about, is that sometimes they are not ready at that point, but all the guys that believed in running their own race, as much as I, again, I'm just kind of using the terms that Chris Beard uses because this is something he talks about, running your own race or waiting your time before you are asked to answer the bell, which is what Clarence Nadoli did. They needed a guard that was pass first, I guess is the best way to put, but then he saw his time to score, that being a three-point shot or that, that time where he's going to the left side, driving to the basket, he knew that that was his time and he knew that that was the way he could make his impact in this game. And yes, again, it was only five points, but five big points in that first half to where Texas tech had some scoring droughts and he was able to at least get some things going. And not only that, but I, I would at least venture to guess about 95%, his defense has improved immensely from last year, because I know last year it was very difficult for him to get on the floor because of defense. Again, that's something Chris Beard emphasizes along with Mark Adams. If you can't play defense, you're not going to see the floor. After that, you can learn your offense, which clearly, again, Clarence Adoni has a real good shot. Uh, I believe he split his last free throws in, in the game, but the thing that he did, played good defense. I want to say he didn't turn the ball over again. I can't. I don't have the stats in front of me. I'm pretty sure he didn't turn the ball over. Got a big rebound at the end of the game, and he got to the free throw line, and he made more than he missed. All those three things make you a plus ball player, at least in terms of Chris Beard. And that's something that I believe is going to keep him in the in the lineup and the rotation. Yeah, and Beard's had high praise for him in the past couple of press conferences. I mean, he's talked about just how proud he is of him just sticking to it, uh, running his own race. I know Kevin McCuller mentioned that he's a guy who they can't keep out of the gym. Um, and like you said, he had no turnovers in that game. He's not always going to be a big box score guy. I mean, if you just look at the box score after these games, you're going to kind of miss out on a lot of where his impact is because he does. He plays a lot of really good on-ball defense that doesn't always result in steals. He has mm-hmm. a really high motor. He doesn't really get lost on on defense this season. Um, yep. And then the three-point shot looks improved this season. Still not a lot of volume, but he's able to hit those catch-and-shoot jumpers, which is obviously very important, especially for this team that's kind of struggled with spacing at points. Well, the other interesting thing that you can even kind of look to is the fact that Mac McClung was 0 for 7 from the field, but he scores six points. And again, they were impactful six points. It just goes to show that you don't necessarily have to score double digit mm-hmm. points to help this team win. Now, granted, it does help when you score double di- d- double digit points in, in the last seven games, but clearly you've got other guys that can help and step up, which is what Taryn Shannon did in the second half, Clarence Dodoni. Uh, scored, I want to say, four points above his average, which is about 1.7 going into there. Made his first, I want to say, his fourth uh, total three-pointer of the year. So, again, it's just small little things that guys do that add up to a big win. And I think that's thing things fans don't really kind of pay attention to is like, yes, you're going to look at the, I don't know what, what the, 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 uh, 
the tangible stats, I suppose, the points, the rebounds, whatever, but just watch the game and see how guys react. How How is Clarence and Dolny playing defense? How is Terrence Shannon blocking out better? How is Kyler Edwards blocking out better? Yes, Kyler Edwards may not be scoring the way that everyone wants to. That's the thing that I always get on Twitter. But then again, makes a big three that either snaps snaps a run that the, the, the opposition is making or maybe makes a big three that gives you a little bit of a spark on the offensive end. Or he creates a steal or he gets a big rebound off a miss in transition, which he did against Oklahoma. Again, it's small little things that I think uh, this fast food society, so to speak, just kind of <laughs> want want something now. They want something to say, like, okay, this guy's scoring 20 points a game, which is what Mac McClung was doing. But you know what? There are going to be times you get shut down. There, there, there are going to be some – uh, opposing teams like in Oklahoma that say, you know what, Mac McClung is not going to get his tonight. Who are these other guys, and will they step up? Taron Shannon stepped up in a big way, scoring those 15 points. Marco Santos Silva stepped up in a big way in, in that victory against Oklahoma. You had Clarence Dolly step up, as I kind of alluded to. And then, of course, you have these other guys as well. And that's the one thing, too, about Texas Tech that, yes, despite losing three players, Joel and Tom Boy and Amari Burnett, and even having – Avery Benson, who was out due to injury, you still have depth. I mean, uh, Jamarius Burton stepped in and played well, had, a, I want to say, a two points. But again, those two points were big. And Marcus Santasilva may not have had the point total that you're looking for in four, but he had eight big rebounds. And then even Tyreek Smith, a guy that early on Chris Beard was really high on, it seemed like he was getting things done, and then all of a sudden you kind of don't see him. It's not necessarily that he's – playing bad or anything it's just sometimes in the game plan you're looking for something specific in this game plan they needed those big rebounds that he had eight of them if i'm not mistaken a season high at least for sure and then of course he had those two big blocks that uh denied some points for the Sooners. so i think in those senses you just have to look at the player and then once you look at the player see what they're doing on the court and know what they're their abilities are. And I think once you realize that you kind of see where everyone kind of fits in and they're slowly figuring out their roles. And it, again, I'm not going to, not going to jinx myself, but it feels a little bit like they're turning the corner a la three or four years ago. And people kind of remember what happened with that team. (laughs) Yeah. I think roles are getting defined. I think everyone on the roster is finding somewhere, someplace that they can contribute. I mean, obviously, Mac McClung, he's probably going to lead you in scoring most nights. Then you have Terrence Shannon, who's been just so impactful since he offered to come off the bench. Uh, Kevin McCuller has just been incredible since returning from injury on both ends. Kyler Edwards, like you said, I know a lot of people were expecting more volume from him, but he's making shots when it matters most. Marcus Santos Silva crashing the glass. I just feel like there's a lot of parts that are really starting to work together. Obviously, in a season that had as many challenges and as many changes as this one did, it could be expected that it would take a couple of games. But I definitely think that things are starting to come together. And I like what Beard said after his press conference against uh, this Oklahoma game where he said, you know, we're not our team is not one guy. You know, if Mac McClung doesn't score during the game, we're, we're, that's not our plan. You know, we're going to adjust, we're going to adapt, and we're going to find other ways to win the game. And I, I think that's big. And I think that this team is showing that they can do that, which is going to be really big down the stretch and really big come March. Again, for those that are huge on, oh, who's starting in the lineup, Chris Beard has said on multiple occasions to either me or even during press conferences, they have five to seven guys that they feel could be in the quote-unquote starting lineup. And the whole reason they have that is because they know any of those guys can go for double figures. Not saying they're going to go for 25. In a best-case scenario, Chris Beard would love five to seven guys being in double figures because if that happens, 
you got 50 to 70 points already right there. And if you play good defense, you can kind of do the math there. So again, a good year, at least for Texas Tech so far. Um, appreciate everyone on the Twitters. There's There was one that said who's staying, who's going 2021, 2022 at this point. Uh, who went? Well, Joel and Tomboy's gone. Namari Burnett's gone. And then right now, again, I'm just going to kind of take it as is uh, with Chris Beard and company. Clearly, they know what they're doing. It's just a matter of right now, I think it's better just to focus on what the current product is. And so far, I think they're, for lack of a better term, I think the fact that maybe losing losing a couple players helped uh, maybe unify this team and that more minutes are being distributed to guys that have been working hard and kind of know running their own race and kind of all those things. And I think that's helped them because again, Clarence, the only getting those extra minutes or maybe the extra time in practice has helped him with his defense has helped him with uh, just confidence. You've seen Tyreek Smith improve a little bit more. Jamarius Burton is starting to get there uh, with his turnovers uh, early on. That was something that was plaguing him. And I think he's playing a little bit better in terms of that. Um, but certainly everything's going pretty well for Texas tech as they head to Kansas state at 3 p.m. Saturday, of course, on ESPN Plus, an online streaming service. Uh, Ryan, appreciate you, man. Hopefully we'll do this again next week. As I said, uh, typically, uh, I know it's been on hiatus, but we try to do these at least on Wednesdays uh, to preview uh, the weekend game. And then, of course, recap the either Monday or Tuesday game. Obviously, next week they'll have a Tuesday game against West Virginia, a big one for Texas Tech as they look to start playing against some ranked teams. But as of right now, the focus is on Kansas State at 3 p.m. Saturday. Any last thoughts, Ryan? I don't think so. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be a fun, fun end of schedule to watch. Uh, some tough games, but some exciting basketball that I'm sure we'll get to watch. Absolutely. And then, of course, uh, Ryan Mainville. You can follow him at Ryan, M-A-I-N-V-I-L-L-D-T on Twitter. Does good stuff for the Daily Torador. Appreciate you jumping on the old Red Raider podcast. We'll look for you next week. And then, of course, appreciate everyone listening again to another edition of the Red Raider podcast. I'm Carlos Silva, sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, the newspaper here in Lubbock. If you have anything you want to look at in terms of daily coverage, check LubbockOnline.com. And, of course, the newspaper, which prints every day. And then if you are listening to us on either Apple Podcast or any of the other streaming services, don't forget to like us or leave a comment. That'll help us uh, kind of get the word out about the Red Raider podcast again. So thanks to Ryan or for Ryan, should I say, I'm Carlos. Thanks for listening.